this. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, a Sunday morning, victory Sunday morning edition. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing pretty great. Uh, what a game that we just watched yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I mean, man. If you would have told me DJ Reader goes down, Jamar Chase gets hurt before the game's over, and uh, what there are some other injuries, DJ Ivy, hope he's all right. I don't know if I saw an update. Alex Kappa and Ted Karras came back into the game, so they're fine. But the main ones being Reader and Chase, who did not come back into the game. They, you could make the case those are the two most important players on the team, and they still were able to pull out a win. I mean, you got to feel pretty good when that happens. Yeah, 100%. You know, unfortunately, DJ Reader are going to be out for the season. And it just, I'll get to this first and then we'll obviously get to the game. But it's just a heartbreaker because he was definitely one of the guys who I thought, man, I hope they can bring him back in 2024. But that's obviously going to be, you know, a tough road to recovery. But we wish him all the best. DJ Reader is absolutely huge for this defense. I agree with you. When he left the game, it definitely felt like air out of the balloon. What are they going to do? Um, one of their, their best defensive players on the field and um you know they found a way in a really important game and even playing extra football same thing for jamar chase um i know that they currently do not have a timeline on that if he's going to miss time if it's going to be a few games there's obviously three regular season games to go since andy bengals um sit in the sixth seed right now and they'll sit in the sixth seed the rest of the week at least um and you know we'll see what happens in these these afternoon games on sunday but yeah just unfortunate injuries for them and as you mentioned dj ivy too he's definitely stepped up on the special team side of the things and you just wish everybody speedy recovery on all of that but yes the Cincinnati Bengals um, I had just tweeted before I jumped on this podcast I feel like I've lived nine lives with this team honestly since the Joe Burrow calf injury to go all the way back there to just what we've 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 seen from this team the way they played and I would say in the first half it just felt like ah Everything's going back to normal. They're playing a really tough defense. You know, can Jake Browning get them in the end zone? They only have a field goal right now. Just an incredible performance in the fourth quarter for them. And then obviously over time too. Um, but what was your first reaction after that game? Well, well first reaction was awesome win. Uh, second reaction, sorry, dog. <laughs> um, second reaction was, I think like, man, what a game. I feel like the story of the game to me, at least on offense, was T. Higgins because he really struggled. I don't think he I don't think he caught a pass in that first half. He dropped one and then he got the other one that ruled a drop, so probably a drop. Uh close. Probably hit the ground a little too much. The ball hit the ground a little too much. But um yeah, first thought was that. Second thought was T. Higgins because he came back and he caught a touchdown and then he caught that amazing second touchdown. I mean, that play to get both feet down, it felt like he kind of like got feet down, looked, and then went and turned and extended. It wasn't like he caught it and immediately extended. He kind of caught it, secured it, and then reached over and extended, which, man, I'm not over. I mean, he might have the best body control in the league. It's just I don't know too many guys are able to do that. And maybe I'm thinking that a little bit because of the length of it, uh, like his arms and he's so tall and his arms are so long that it looks crazy. But I – yeah. That is such an insane catch to make that contested catch over a guy and then to make that turn pivot and score with what 20 seconds left or something. That's insane. 
And then Jake Browning was the other one. It's just, he, I don't think he played well to start the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he really played well until he, he threw that interception, which was a terrible throw. I mean, it made no sense. The concept they're running there is called, um, I think it was CO bow, which essentially is you got a corner route and something to hold the flat defender. And you read that if the corner goes with the flat, throw the corner, throw the corner route. The corner just kept sinking and Browning. He just kept looking at it. It's like, move on, move on. <laughs> but he threw it through a pick. If he moved to his second read, which is the in route from Higgins wide open, like nobody within 10 yards of the guy, but it happens, you know, like you, as a quarterback, sometimes you uh, end up a little bit stuck on a read. This happens with Josh Allen all the time. I mean, it's actually, I think, maybe the same concept that Allen threw because it's that high-low on the outside. He just kind of, like, stares at stares at I want to throw that corner. And he threw it and threw it right to Cam Taylor-Britt. So, terrible throw. But then he turned around, and I thought he was good after that, which that's what you need. You need a good performance from the backup. And he had to do a lot of drop-back stuff. They weren't able to run the ball super efficiently. Mixon was. Um Chase Brown, he was the boom bust, and it was more bust than boom uh, at running the ball in that game. But Mixon kept them ahead of the chains, but then when you start falling behind and you have all the issues, the run game kind of goes away. But they showed through adversity that they're able to overcome that. And Look, only one team of the past, I think, eight have scored 20 points against the Vikings. Bengals almost scored 30. Yeah, I think that's what's impressive. You look at this defense and it was going to be the toughest defense that Jake Browning faced. And I agree with you in the first half and the majority of the game, you could honestly say three quarters, Jake Browning didn't play very well. And I thought when he threw that interception, the game was completely over. I was like, yeah, they're just not going to be able to get in the end zone today. Um, Vikings are going to be able to take this one. It just it looks sloppy overall offensively. But I agree with you. You have a guy like T Higgins who Troy Walters told him when Jamar Chase went out, you need to go out there and be the alpha. And this is obviously a huge year for for T. Higgins and, you know, his future in Cincinnati to be determined. But I hate even thinking about that right now because I feel like we spent all offseason talking about the contract extension. And for T. Higgins to be able to get in the end zone twice, to step up like he did after what I thought in the first half, I'll be completely honest with you, thought it was a catch. But obviously seeing the review of it, it wasn't a catch. That was a good call by the officials. Um, Just really step up for T. Higgins. You just root for a guy. And for him to know where he was on the field, to just stretch his 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 arm out and and get it in when um I mean goodness it was just a game of inches right there absolutely unbelievable for them the the fourth quarter was just I, it's just insane to think about what what Jake Browning was able to do and obviously Jake Browning had himself and he was able to turn it around when the NFL is texting you right after the game for a drug test um <laughs> because of uh what what this game really looked like for Jake Browning and it just it kind of puts things into perspective as a whole because out of all the three games, was this the most impressive one for you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, sorry, I muted. That's why it took a second. Um, I thought it was most impressive because it was the most impressive defense they faced. It was a lot of stuff that I had questions about, dropback stuff, and they were able to execute it. Um, some of it a little you know, we can be honest, a little, a little lucky sometimes <laughs> that T Higgins catch as awesome as we're talking about with T Higgins, that throw from Browning was just basically like, screw it. He's up there yeah. somewhere. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Jamar Chase said after the game, he reposted it and he goes, F it. Uh, T Higgins is down there somewhere. And I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And sometimes that's like not really true. You know, like that's um, uh, like, that is the right throw. Take your one-on-one matchup. That one was like, when he threw it, the only guy standing over there was the corner. He's <laughs> just waiting. He's like, do I have the easiest interception of my life? And then comes six foot four T Higgins to uh, dunk on him. 
Um, yeah, I thought it was definitely the most impressive win. It was a playoff level defense, I think. Um, even if their offense, there, there is still there, there is still some concerns about the Spangles defense, I think. But what they were able to do on offense was really impressive. And if they can do that against the Steelers next week, it's a different offense. I don't think we need to feel like they're going to get shut out again. Um, they can, they could win that game, and you're going to take it week by week. I don't want to look ahead after that because. Well, the Chiefs game's scary, even if they're not the same team. Always. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was definitely the most impressive win. Yeah, offensively, you know, there were a lot of guys who stepped up. And, you know, what? the trick plays, I'm, I'm just – I'm not in them right now. I, I can appreciate trying in some situations, but uh, really not working out over the last couple weeks. That's the only negative I can really find, you know, outside of that over, over the last three wins. But guys like Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd had a huge catch – in this game, um, end of the game, end of the game, and you know, just kind of the season Tyler's had, it, it's been up and down at times. It was really cool to see that big, big time catch from him. And then I know it wasn't a touchdown, and, and you can tell me if it was more Charlie Jones or if it was Jake Browning, um, because man, that looked like an easy six on that one play. So it's hard to tell on broadcast, but Andrew Hawkins, former receiver, he said it was Charlie, okay. but then I saw a former quarterback also say, like. It, Browning, you don't have to like that guy's wide open. You don't have to try to lead him. Like you can just put it on him. So I think if I was thinking in my mind off of based of both of those, what those said, um, it feels like two thirds Charlie, one third Browning. Like Charlie, Charlie slowed down. That was the biggest issue. Is he got past the defense and then he kind of slowed down for three steps and then he couldn't catch up to the ball when Browning threw it where he was supposed to be. Charlie is the alert on that play, which means that you're only throwing like you don't throw that very often. But the Vikings messed up and Browning read it perfectly. He's like, oh, I gotta throw that. Like that's a touchdown. That's what you want. It's the alert on dagger, dagger. You're basically trying to get this in route, but it's just, it's got a seam right up the middle. And if nobody carries that, you could throw it. So he threw it, but Charlie, I think, thought like, ah, there's no shot he's throwing this to me, right? Like, so he kind of like runs it hard and then he kind of slows down a little bit and then sees the ball goes, oh no, <laughs> he's got to try to turn on the Jets. Um, so two thirds Charlie, because you can't slow down your route there, finish it, run as hard as you can. And if he did, he's probably catching that for a touchdown. But also one third of it on Browning, just in terms of like, hey, you. I know that a lot of times you want to put that ball perfectly, not slow a receiver down, get him into the end zone. He was so far beyond the defense that you you could just make sure that that ball gets to him. And it's both. It's both. I mean, that's <laughs> a sad part of it. Yeah, and I know it was it was a miss on on them, but I honestly like that the Bengals were getting Charlie Jones involved, and this was before Jamar yeah. Chase left the game. I think that's absolutely huge in these next few games. Why not utilize some of the weapons you have out there? Yoshi, I know it wasn't a catch, but he made the play of his life um, in this game, to be completely honest with you. Just the awareness of finding the football, um, that really could have changed the, the outcome of this game. And it just offensively, you know, we've already said it the first half, you know, majority of the three quarters, it, it wasn't good enough. It was a tough defense, but they found a way. They found a way to come back and 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 score two big time touchdowns. And obviously Evan McPherson with the, the walk off in overtime, it's kind of wild how that happens again. Zach Taylor said in his press conference, and I didn't really think about it. He said the Vikings were on the same side, same side of the field around the same area where they had lost it in the first game. And the Bengals were able to get the ball turnover on downs. And that was a turnover in that game, um, obviously. But it's just kind of wild how that one ended up working out for them in this Minnesota Vikings game. But anything else on offense before we move to defense? 
feel like the offensive line played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Browning ran himself into pressure. That was the only pressure I really saw, and that's against a team that really challenged them, I think. I'm not sure they did as much in this game as I thought they might. Like, I thought they were going to do a whole bunch of, like, pressures and twists and stunts, and maybe they did, and the Bengals just picked it up. I didn't notice it. Um, but, yeah, they, they kept him pretty clean. The big hit Browning took was all on him. Like, he rolls left and then sees, like, ah, oh, they're containing me on this side. Why don't I just try to reverse field? Well, that's why you don't. Like, that's that's a very painful way to learn that lesson. Just gets absolutely plastered by Daniil Hunter. Um, but, yeah, I thought the offensive line was pretty good, and they were getting banged up a little bit in the game, thinking of Alex Kappa limping off. Ted Karras, I think, got a little hurt, but they both stayed in the game. Offensive line dudes are tough. They're strong. That's what they pride themselves on. And able to finish that game, Mixon um, – I don't know the yards per carry, but I do know at one point Mixon was at a 75% success rate. So that's literally the basically asking, are you keeping this team ahead of the chains? And 75% of the time he was, which is insane. Like 50% is good. 75% is like insane. But he didn't have a majority of the carries early on. Chase Brown did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought they were doing all right in the run game. And then pass protection, I don't remember too many issues with them. So they kept Browning pretty clean. I think we got to give them credit where it's due. Uh, Chase Brown did make an insane play. I feel like I've talked down on him too much. That uh, was it a screen or something. And he made that guy like went crashing into him and he stood on his feet and kept rolling. For me, when I had questions about his contact balance, like that's like, oh, okay, <laughs> he's good. Um, and then the other end was Mixon catching that one in the flat and then tripping over himself. I was like, ah, that's that's the bad end of, <laughs> of the contact balance thing. I feel like he's lost it a little bit there. He's still a good player. I, don't, I feel like somebody might clip that out and say, like, Mixon's lost. I was like, that's what I'm saying. He's still a good player. I wanted him to get more carries in this game um, because I thought he was the one that was keeping them uh, ahead of the chains, keeping the team going. They weren't getting the second and nine, second and 10, which they did run the ball one time, second and 10 too, which I was asking, is Zach Taylor going to run the ball in second and 10? They didn't run the ball a ton this game, especially early, but he was willing to run the ball, protect his team a little bit. Um, yeah. When you fall behind, you just end up passing a lot. So I think that's everything on offense. Tanner Hudson made a lot of catches in this game from what I remember. I haven't looked at the stat line. Just felt like a lot of times there was 87 catching the ball, turning up field. Mitch Wilcox also had a catch. I was like, hey, he's getting involved. It was a little bit of everyone. And, and uh, credit to Drew Sample, who's playing through um, an illness that popped up on uh, Friday. Oh. And Drew Sample is still a big part of this team. Um, he's definitely a piece that I think would be important to bring back in 2024. But there's still football to be played because the Cincinnati Bengals are 8-6 and six on the season, sitting in the sixth seed all weekend long. They actually have a full week off. Um, unlike what it has been over the last few weeks with some of their short weeks playing on Monday Night Football, then back on Sunday, and then obviously the Saturday game, and they'll play Saturday next week. So um, we'll hear more when it comes to injury updates when they get back on Tuesday. I know Zach Taylor will talk to the media today. But let's focus on the defensive side of the ball. As we mentioned earlier, DJ Reader leaves the game, and I'll be completely honest with you, I was absolutely terrified of what that was going to look like. I'm so bummed for DJ Reader because of the injury, just him as a human and what he's been able to do for the Cincinnati Bengals team since they signed him in free agency. Um, So I'm wishing him a a really speedy recovery. But on the defensive side of the ball, what were some of your takeaways? Oh, man. So much defensive line stuff, right? So we have DJ Reader. I mean, was that the first drive that he got hurt on? It was early. It was, it was real. Very- it was first quarter for sure. And then the Vikings were able to run the ball quite a bit um, early on. But 
like we talked about with T Higgins and resilience and fighting through adversity, when it came down to it, the Bengals defense tightened up, but third and one stop fourth and one quarterback sneak without DJ reader, like <laughs> your guy, the plug up the center stopped him and got the ball back in overtime. So I was worried uh, because I was like, oh man, the run defense is already not very good. <laughs> now Reader's leaving. He's their best run defender. And it showed up at first, but they were able to overcome it. What I saw them do a little bit was some movement stuff. They would uh, what spike the end a few times, which means that the defensive end is outside the tackle. And on the snap, he's basically going to shoot inside the tackle and just mess up whatever they're trying to do. That happened a few times. It worked. Uh, they brought some run blitzes. Think Mike Hilton on that tackle for a loss. They, you kind of got to get a little funky to defend the run when your nose tackles out. You know, you got to move some stuff. You can't just try to play straight up because now you're at a disadvantage. And they didn't, and they were smart, and they worked around it. Um, I hope, DJ Readers, that sucks so much to happen at the end of your contract year. Mm-hmm. Just, like, what's he going to get in the open market now? And I don't want to think about, like, oh, make it easier for the Bengals to bring him back. Like, he should get paid. Like I, I don't, he should, he already got paid once, I guess, but like, he's been so good for the Bengals that I feel like he needs to go. And I hope it's with the Bengals, mm-hmm. but get paid fairly, not at a discount or whatever, but that might be what happens now because of the injury. It's, I think the other quad, if you remember in 2020, he yeah. tore the quad, missed the whole season. So it's not the same quad at least. So it's not like a repeat injury, but yeah, it's, pouring one out that's my guy <laughs> it, was, uh, it was very sad for me it's like oh. and what happened was he always uh does with corkscrews a lot of times when he takes on double teams so mm-hmm. you kind of like grab onto the one guy and when the other one hits you you go down to your knee, one knee and kind of add an extra anchor point so that you know you're harder to move if you have a knee on the ground taking that rather and you're getting low rather than standing straight up and trying to take that 700 pounds of mass hitting you and i knew it right away he went to corkscrew and it just looked like something went off and he went down and it was just oh no that's that's knee quad something on the middle upper leg so i saw some people say ankle i was like he didn't get rolled up on that was basic it was contact but it wasn't contact to what hurt him you know like he went to go do something and it just didn't work ripped whatever really tough uh but they stepped up and gotta give him credit i would put in a waiver claim on tire tart now he's a nose tackle that just got cut by the titans and he's pretty good so i think he's lost a little bit of playing time and they cut him because he was you know being a little malcontent about it because you can't trade at this point he's good and uh that would really help them out because they have one nose tackle now and it's josh tupau other than that they got i mean two will sometimes play nose but no that is not a guy I want playing nose tackle. He's a one-gap penetrator to me. He's just 315 pounds. But if he's trying to play nose tackle like DJ Reader does, that's rough. That's not going to work. And I know some fans are, like, obsessed with him. So I'm sorry to say that. But that's that's not going to be not going to be good if they try to ask him to do the Reader thing. It's not really going to be good if they ask Tupo to do it either. Tupo, two years ago, yeah, there mm-hmm. would be a drop-off for sure. But he could do it a little bit at, like, an okay passable level. Now I'm not sure but it'll drop even more if Tufele is that guy or Carter is that guy they throw in there. So they got to do something. I feel like if they're going to try, because the defense is it's had its issues and they need, they need at least something 
at that spot because they don't have a guy, in my opinion, that can really replace Reader mm -hmm. at even a passable level right now. Yeah, that was going to be a concern going into the offseason anyways because we didn't know if, if DJ Reader was going to get the extension again. So, you know, definitely something to monitor what they're able to do. I wouldn't be surprised if that move happens today or early Monday when it comes to the addition that they'll probably add, and then we'll obviously put DJ Reader on the IR. I want to stay with the defensive line right now. Look, Miles Murphy. My guy. My I other guy. You know, as sad as it was for Reader. Oh, that was like my Super Bowl. <laughs> Murphy should have had two sacks on Christian Derisaw. He got the one, and mm -hmm. I'll be 100% honest, though. He, it's really good strength through contact. It's really good bend. It's good. There's a lot good. One thing is that I don't know what Darisol is doing. He really didn't have to do much on the like moves on the play. He didn't like, and maybe it's a look different on the end zone. Maybe I'll see how he set him up for this. But when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, he kind of just like ran around him, <laughs> which is fine. But I was like, uh, that's fine. He bull rushed Darisol early in the game and drove him back into Nick Mullins. But he just he he's like disengaged, and I don't know what happened, but he couldn't get. I think Darisol kind of gave a little. A little hold. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, didn't get called, so you got to fight through it. Still get there. Um, I'm not one to complain about holding calls, but yeah, just, it happened all the time. Couldn't finish it. Just couldn't finish it. He almost had two sacks on a guy I think is probably a top ten left tackle in the league. And last year, I mean, he was really good. I haven't watched a ton of them this year. I, I've heard it's a slight step down. Last year, he was Pro Bowl level player. He's probably still around there. So for all the people that like point to oh yeah he beat Blake Freeland he beat whoever um which he beat uh um Bernard Raymond a bit but everybody was beating Bernard Raymond in that game I don't know how Bernard Raymond has like an 80 PFF score <laughs> uh that's one of those uh but yeah like you point to some of the guys he's had sacks against and it's like maybe those guys aren't the best players this was one of the NFL's premier tackles that he beat for a sack and almost got two sacks on. Like that was incredible. He made a few other run plays. He's been doing that this year where he's making good stops against the run. A read player on a play, which this was something he had an issue with in college, was reading who has the ball. So they made him the read player on a zone read and works down the line. You can think of Sam Hubbard doing this all the time, works down the line. And he's staying back a little bit because what he's supposed to do here is force the give read. When you're that player, you want to make the offense do one or the other. You don't want to be caught in the middle, which sounds like what you should be doing is like, oh, I'm just going to read and do this perfectly. You want to force him to do one or the other. So he forced the give, and then he, Murphy crashes down, uses athleticism to go make the tackle, stop of one yard. He's he's really come on, and it almost makes me upset. This I love Sam Hubbard. I love Trey Hendrickson. But, man, I, I really wish that you could see full starter snaps for this guy, right? Because next year, man, if he keeps improving, this this could be like eight, ten sack year in my opinion. If if the progression works, when you're beating good tackles for sacks clean like that, I mean these aren't cleanup stuff. Mm -hmm. It's really impressive. So he's really come on. I think he's ahead of schedule. I think oh, what really? we said three sacks is good, and he's done it in a limited role. He hasn't been for he hasn't had the opportunity to go have 45 snaps in a single game i don't think he's had more than like 25 snaps in a game and yet three sacks some That's games insane. yeah 
And, and that's something that, you know, we think uh, you look at other teams around the NFL and just even in the AFC North and you want those guys, those big guys who are getting the pressure on your defensive line and to have that in a rookie who, you know, it's a late pick in the first round. And I know a lot of people, you actually made a Michael Mayer tweet and it was pretty funny. <laughs> um, there's a lot, a lot of people. Like, no, go ahead. I just, it's so frustrating because I think people don't realize that when there's, yeah, you're just sending a tweet. You're just piling on. These players are people, and mm-hmm. I know like they they probably see this stuff. So you want to be smart. You want to be right. You want to be oh yeah, I wanted Michael Mayer, and that it's like so you call Murphy a bust because he didn't have a sack in the preseason. You call him a bust because he's playing ten snaps early in the season. It's grow up, man. Like it's not more important that you're right than it is for a player to be good for the team you're supporting. Like, that's the craziest part to me. It feels like so many people were more interested in being right than they were in the player being good. It's, yeah, like Murphy's a guy I support. If they took a guy I didn't love in the first round, I'm not going to call him a bust, what, in the first week of his career? That's that's so lazy. It's so lazy. I know so many people wanted Mayor because he's the hometown guy. People are going to change it to Laporta because Laporta's look like little Travis Kelsey out there. But I know from my mentions, there's a few people that wanted Laporta in the first round. But I know from my mentions, everybody wanted Mayor. And Murphy, Murphy's been better than Mayor. Let's be real. Three sacks? What's Mer- what Mayor has one touchdown? If we're going to compare sacks to touchdowns, like Murphy's been better. I think Murphy's been a better rookie than Michael Mayer. And Michael Mayer's been a good player. Like, I'm not trying to discredit him. I think the Bengals made the right pick. And it's hard to find those defense events. And I'll say this: be a star like that. Yeah, and I was and I was on that Michael Mayer t- train um, during the draft. I was like, yeah, get him hometown guys. Sure. If, if they took Mayer, I would be fully supportive. I'd be like, hey, look, he's blocking well. He's got a touchdown. He's going to be used more. Tight ends take time to develop. But when I'm looking, like Murphy's supposed to take time to develop. He's developing. <laughs> he's moving along pretty fast. Yeah, and for Lou and this defense, they don't put rookies out there unless they have to or or they feel that they are the better player. And look what we're seeing this year. Jordan Battle, DJ Turner, and obviously I know Cam Taylor Britt's injured right now, but he could come back after the Pittsburgh game. And you have a guy like Miles Murphy. This is absolutely huge because the Cincinnati Bengals, when you think of the contracts, a majority of that money is going to go to the offensive side of the ball to yep. be able to hit on your draft picks on defense when you just don't know what's going to happen after you draft a player. It's absolutely incredible. And I know it's only one season right now. There's still three regular season games to go, but I am so impressed with the defensive stars and rookies on this club right now. And I think this is awesome for the Cincinnati Bengals defense just going forward. But yeah, Miles Murphy, it's been absolutely incredible to see, as you said, on limited snaps, you know, what the future holds Trey Hendrickson is there's a possibility that Trey Hendrickson gets 20 sacks in regular season. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, that's I mean, crazy. and we'll flip sides to him right now. It was one and a half sacks for Trey Hendrickson yesterday. Yeah. Um, I really want to talk about the one. So well, on one of those, I think he just beat Derrissaw as well. Like that was, that's that's impressive. Like I talked about how impressive with Murphy. It's obviously really impressive with Hendrickson too. Um, and then I think both plays he beat Derrissaw. But the one was this really cool pressure. And what they did, and it was it's fun that the Bengals beat the Vikings for a sack with a blitz. And I'm not sure that the Vikings, who are the blitz team, really got the Bengals with their blitzes as much. So what they did here was they lined up um, six guys across the offensive line. 
and the Vikings have their five offensive linemen, and then they put C.J. Ham. They're kind of doing what the Bengals do with Drew Sample on third and medium, third and long. They had C.J. Ham in there, their fullback. So they're not going to run the ball here, and that guy is not going to be fast to the flat. Like you really got to worry. So what they do is they have. They're, sorry, I'll talk about what the Vikings have to do here is go six for six, right? Like you've got six guys to protect against the six guys the Bengals are presenting. So usually you're going to slide the offensive line away from the back. That makes the read clear for that back. Like I've got the, I've got the, I've got the will or something here and they know who he is. So the center is going to slide to the mic. He's got the will and the other two are going to be picked up by the left guard, left tackle. What the Bengals did was they presented those six. And then right before the snap, Nick Scott, hero of this play, and I'll talk about it a little bit more. He comes flying down and he times it up almost perfectly. Now you have seven for six, right? So that's too many for the Vikings to handle. But even more, they're bringing it to the side of the back. So when you do that, now the back has a two for one. Do I take the safety or do I take the linebacker? They don't have enough guys to pick that up and they can't change the protection because the clock's running out. So even further, Lou drops two guys to the side of the slide because they knew the Vikings would slide towards those guys. So instead of wasting them, he puts them into coverage. And then, so now you've got three offensive linemen working to the right side. You've got two offensive linemen in the back on the left, but the Bengals have four guys. So Hendrickson beats Derisov, which <laughs> that's part of the thing is it's like, okay, sure, whatever, all pro. <laughs> um, but then the defensive tackle is going to occupy that left guard. And now CJ Ham has a two for one and he knocks Nick Scott out, which <laughs> this is why it's such a thankless job to be the safety run down there and just go get knocked out. Jermaine Pratt goes and makes the sack. Everybody's praising Jermaine Pratt and people are even making fun of Scott, but it's what a team player to just go run out there, go get knocked out. So your teammate gets a sack. And I think that's so that's, that's such an example of being like such a team player, such a dude. I think, I think this limited role for Scott has really made him, play a lot better. He's not needed as, to be as reliable, which has been the biggest issue with some of the reliability, but he's been a good blitzer. And I, I feel like some people are going to mark that as like a negative one. Like, Hey, don't get pancaked by the running back. My thought on that is he moved the running back out of the way. And that is like the ultimate team player. Like, I don't want to go get knocked out by a, by a fullback. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go run out there, get knocked out by a fullback. Everybody else gets the sack, but somebody has got to do it. And he did. So Wanted to give a quick shout out on that play. I know we we're talking about Trey Hendrickson, and yes, he's incredible, and he made an awesome play there as well. But the design of that was so cool. And then shout out Nick Scott for being the guy to just go go get knocked out, so your so Jermaine Pratt can get a sack. So I'm cool. so sad. You know, speaking of um, kind of going to Pratt right now, I'm so sad that that pick six didn't count. Oh, and it's it's a weak call on Hendrickson there. I think it was correct, but yeah. it's really weak. So the Vikings all day were – we're doing so many breakdowns right now. The Vikings all day – yeah, the Vikings all day were doing the silent count of head down, and once the head comes up, he snaps the ball. And what they did there was smart. He went head down, head up, waited like a millisecond, and then snapped the ball. But Hendrickson is anticipating timing. And once he sees the head go up all day, they've been snapping the ball right when the head goes up. So he jumps right when the head goes up and that millisecond time and then snap got it. And I don't even know if he 100% was offsides. I think his helmet was, but the official seeing him move before the ball moves is sometimes it's going to, they're just going to throw the flag right mm -hmm. out because it looks like you're offsides. Looks like you jumped early and 
take credit to the Vikings for pulling that out in that moment, but it had no effect on the play. had no effect. Jermaine Pratt should have had a pick six. Same time, I'm facing my fiance in the fantasy playoffs, and she had the Bengals defense. So that would have been eight points. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) So selfishly, they won. I'm happy. I'm sad for Pratt. I'm a little happy for myself. (laughs) It didn't impact the game, you know? It didn't that's matter. Right, that's right. It mattered. So uh, they still won the game. But yeah, just the defense, you know, effort, great effort by them. Obviously, you know, we'll, we'll look to the, the Pittsburgh game later this week and we'll have more of a breakdown on Tuesday's podcast. But is there anything else you would like to say about this game after we or before we wrap it up? Um, it might have been the roughest game of DJ Turner's young career so far. I think he got picked on a little bit. I think that the linebacker, um, Wilson, I think, and the safeties also got picked on a little bit. But they all turned it around and they all made plays. Um, Turner, it, the length showed up. And I talked about this when I first wrote about him. And I think when we talked about him after they took him was he's got short arms. He's got short arms for being a corner. And that doesn't always show up. But when Nick Mullins puts one on the floor and Jordan Addison is reaching way out to get it, diving, if he had an extra inch on mm-hmm. his hands, on his arms, that ball gets tipped, knocked down but he's diving outstretched arm and it just gets around him. And that's, it's frustrating because he played it really well and then gave up a touchdown. So I think Turner has been a good player. I don't want to look at stats of like yards given up in this game. I think it's going to look bad. Some of those are also, he's playing cover three bail and they're running out routes. Like that's just, that's just a beater. That's just, you know, for a rookie corner, like he's not Richard Sherman yet, (laughs) or he might never be probably never will be a hall of famer, but maybe hopefully, Uh, but you know, like he's a, he's a rookie and that's an, that's, that's designed to beat that coverage. So I'm not too concerned about that, but yeah, the length did show up on that Jordan Addison touchdown, which was kind of a lucky play. There was a few lucky plays from Mullins, a few lucky plays from, Browning uh, just wide receivers we talked about it like uh the chase versus Jefferson but it also turned into Addison and Higgins being stars too they both made some huge plays in this game both had two touchdowns right yeah I think. yeah they they were <laughs> talked so much about Chase and Jefferson but I feel like the two biggest receivers in the game were Addison and Higgins because of everything they did later on in the game down the stretch uh, one last thing I do want to say. I thought it was really cool that Justin Jefferson was wearing the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Justin De- Jefferson sweatshirt. That For did sure. not help. That did not help all the conspiracies out there that Justin Jefferson is going to be a Cincinnati Bengal. And then, and then him and uh, the Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson post game photo. There's going to be a lot of people out there. They're they're going to buy into how does how does the Cincinnati Bengals make this happen? Um, but I thought that was really cool. And then obviously, you know, being able to stop them even with their best player, one of the top receivers, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL, even though Jamar Chase said that he's number one. Um, it was really, it was really fun to see. Uh, it like I said, it was one of the most impressive wins. Honestly, I, I don't want to say this, but I know Zach Taylor felt really confident in it. You know, one of the most, I, I would say a difficult when you're playing a top five defense, you're playing the backup quarterback and Jake Browning, can he do it again? They were able to do it when it mattered in the fourth quarter and come back when I thought the game was over after his interception. Um, credit to this coaching staff again. I think you should put Zach Taylor in the coach of the year candidate. I know there's a lot of coaches right now playing with backup quarterbacks, but what he's been able to do, and you can look at yesterday's game as an example, DJ readers out majority of the game, Jamar Chase is out in an important part of the game, and they still found a way to win a game um, in overtime and extra football. You could look at the last three years. I mean, what are we doing with this Zach Taylor hate at this point? Like, do I think he's Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan? Maybe not. Do I think he's a good coach? Yeah. And I think he's a good offensive coach. I think he's a good 
him, Callahan, Pollock, and all these guys are designing stuff that makes sense to me, and it's worked. And I got hate for saying they've been a top five offense. Look at the stats, man. Like whether it's points per game or DVOA, which is an advanced stat that takes, which I think is the best like quick look stat because it takes into account your opponents, um, how good your opponent is and, you know, field position, try to take everything into account. You look at EP expected points added per play and success rate and all these things They're they, they were top five offense last year. And that was with chase missing time when Burrow was healthy, top five offense this year. And with Browning, I mean, they've been really good. So I think we can kind of move on from the idea that Zach Taylor, it feels like once we talked about it before because I remember making the same comparison, but there's so many people that like wait there, like hands rubbing for a bad game so they can, so they can go talk about Joe Brady or they can go talk mm-hmm. about um, the enemy or one of these guys, like we got to fire Zach or we got to make Zach give up play call. And we got to go find a guy that uh, can really scheme things up. It's like, you don't, you've got, you've got an offense. Do they make things look difficult sometimes? Maybe. Is it working? Yeah. So uh, looking easy doesn't get you extra points. <laughs> the, the Dolphins make everything look easy and against bad teams. It doesn't look easy against hard teams, though. And I think with the Bengals, sometimes it doesn't look as easy as it should against easy teams. But they're able to do it against every team for the most part. I think there's a couple teams that have given some issues once in a while. But for the most part, when I watch it, it's like, yeah, this Makes sense. And I just want to give a quick shout out to those guys. I hope Brian Callahan, this might be like early on this year. I was like, man, that sucks. He's not going to get a head coaching job this year. He's probably back on some radars. 27 against Brian Flores. I think a lot of people are looking at Flores as a head coach. And you you could argue they went back and forth in this game and the Bengals came out on top. So I don't know. Think I think he might get some looks. I agree. If you're able to do this with your backup quarterback, I think it's extremely impressive. Um, but, yeah, great one for the Cincinnati Bengals. They are currently at the playoffs where today they are in it. There's three games to go. Feels like they need to go 2 and one but we'll talk more about that. The look ahead to Pittsburgh when they're back in action on the road on Saturday. Make sure you check out my stuff over on all Bengals and Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at Valen Diaz Patterson. We'll be back later this week. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.